Hello and welcome to Misadventures in My Quest for Gainful Employment. I am Janelle. I'm your host of this podcast where we explore and laugh about the foibles of everyday life in our crappy part-time jobs that we have and sometimes full-time jobs. You're in for a treat today because um, while the name of this podcast is officially Misadventures in My Quest for Gainful Employment, the original brainchild behind this podcast and possibly book was entitled Losing My Feminine Mystique and Other Misadventures in My Quest for Gainful Employment. The whole idea for this podcast came from an experience that happened to me in which I lost my feminine mystique at a bike shop over a dented can of tuna and a stick of Old Spice. And I think it's time for you, my listeners, to hear the full story of this. It's pretty funny, I would have to say. I'm just going to dive right into it. When I was 25, I was coming off a very long bike ride. I had ridden my bike across half of the United States, some of Canada. i had been living on my bike over six months. And I ended up back in Iowa. And I was living in a garage, like a garage that had been converted into a really shitty apartment that I loved. And I would bike 25 miles to this local town, a town nearby. And there was just this really cool bike shop. Like this bike shop had a cat. They had great vibes. Everyone was super cool. And I was like, I want to get a job there. I was a little bit sick of being homeless. I was ready to work. And so... um I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have any money. I biked there. I filled out an an application and I saw them put it on a stack of applications like an inch tall. And I borrowed my sister's cell phone and I called every single day at 11 o'clock to ask for an interview with the owner. And finally, the owner interviews me. And also at the time, I think I had this overgrown mohawk and I didn't even have a driver's license. Like I lived on my bike. I had been so removed from society because prior to going on my bike ride, I had lived on a commune where I definitely didn't drive a car. Prior to that, I was in college, but I had a passport. And in my passport picture, I had this overgrown bleach blonde mohawk. And I remember as my boss was finally hiring me, my sister came in and witnessed part of the interview. And he said, do you have your social security card and driver's license, you know, to get my paperwork ready? And I said, well, I have my passport. And then I said, but don't look at my passport photo because my hair looks really skanky. (laughs) And I remember as my sister was driving me home, she was like, Janelle, you cannot use the word skanky in an interview. What were you thinking? I was like, but my hair did look skanky and I got the job. So what was so interesting about this job at the bike shop, I mean, it was a dream job. So I would wake up at six in the morning. I'd be on the road by seven. I would bike two hours, 25 miles. I wasn't a super fast biker. I had a real heavy old bike. I'd bike two hours, get into town about 9.15, wipe off with baby wipes, change my outfit, sit in a cafe for half an hour, and then I started work at 10, got off at 6, got biked for two hours, got home at 8, and did the whole thing over again. I mean, it was pretty intense. And I remember having this very, like, very strong awareness that I was female. My female presence was new in a very masculine 
environment because there were no other women employed at this bike shop. And um, I remember it was just so interesting, like working with these guys. Each one had their own just funny little unique personality and all these little characters were living together. And I felt like it was just right out of a sitcom that I'd love to write someday. Um, like, for example, there was this guy named Ross who he was kind of a slacker college student at the local university. And like he would um, he was just kind of funny. He drank a lot. And he like I remember he he went on a bike ride called the Tour de Franzia, where he and all his college buddies biked from house to house. And they all had Franzia boxed wine at each house. And they like just went on drunken bike rides. And it was like a thing they did. I remember this other time um, he bought something from the register and then he said to the guy ringing him up, do you have a small sack? And then just giggled under his breath. Like that kind of stuff happened with Ross. So another kind of interesting character was Nick. There are actually two Nicks at the, at the bike shop, but one we called the Nickski because he was Polish and he had this funny story of like visiting his uncle in Poland and to celebrate they slaughtered the fattened calf. I'd heard some kind of story like that. And Nickski was just, he was lovingly called at the bike shop Nickski the gazelle because he was like a very graceful and fast bike racer. We were all really proud of him and he was just kind of uh, a quiet, naughty presence in the shop. Like he was always trying to hustle me to buy him beer. And I would always get around it by saying, well, I don't have a driver's license. So, you know, I can't buy a beer, which was kind of true, kind of not. Because I didn't have a driver's license, but I did have a passport. And I remember um, once his mom, he he lied about where he was supposed to be. And his mom came in and looked for him. And she's like, well, I thought Nick was was working today. And we're like, no, he's not scheduled. And she's like, that little shit. <laughs> and we heard like a, a story from his mom. We'd hear it from her that once she caught him sneaking out at night to like go to a diner with his friends and she found out and she waited in his bed for him. And then when he climbed in through the window to sneak back in the house, he landed on her and she just said, where you been, Nick? <laughs> and uh, it was always fun working with him. And then there was the sales manager, Wade. This is the person that I kind of worked under. So my boss, there's my boss, the owner, and then Wade was the sales manager that I worked in, on the sales floor. And Wade was kind of an interesting guy. He's very intelligent. Um, he was a, a PhD dropout. So he was in a PhD program for history and he just kind of failed at it and then just kept his part-time fun job at the bike shop. But as I, as I learned like little, little insights into his world, like he just obsessively collected bicycles. Like I heard he had an apartment and at one point he had 13 bicycles in it, which, you know, that is what it is to me. It seemed a little bit materialistic, but you know, everyone has their hobbies. But like, I remember once he bought like a matching his and her bike and they were like really nice Raleigh cruiser bikes because he wanted like a bike for two. And then at some point he was like, I'm selling it. I'm putting it on Craigslist. And I was like, oh, poor Wade. He'll never find anybody. I realize even saying this makes me sound kind of shitty. I just got the sense that he was like this nice guy, kind of geeky and just kind of lonely. But um, yes, that was Wade. Then there was actually my boss, Ron. He was just so interesting. He was in his 60s. He was tall and thin. And he had five kids and he was just, 
He was just a great guy. Like he was just, you could just tell he was devoted to his family. He loved his children for one of his birthdays. I think one of his sons built him a bamboo bicycle. Like all of his kids pitched in and added something unique to this bike. And it was so cool. I think he got that for his 60th birthday. And yeah, I had like some problems with him, but I mean, he gave me a job and he ran and owned a really cool bike shop. So he, he had to fundamentally be a really cool guy. Um, then there were the mechanics and like the mechanics were in a completely separate world for me. So I was in sales and the mechanics were in the basement. And I, I always kind of secretly thought that mechanics were superior to the sales people because they like worked with their hands. They knew what they were doing. You know, I just thought they were really cool and I kind of felt intimidated by them. And so the head mechanic was Steve and he was really hard to read. Um, he kind of scared me a little bit because he was super quiet. And then every once in a while, he would just like erupt in these angry outbursts and they'd completely catch me off guard. And um, yeah, and so as far as the mechanics went, there was this mechanic, the other Nick, who was a vegan and an amateur astronomer. And he um, spoke French. And I think periodically he would go to France and teach English abroad. And I think he even like rode his surly across France. Like he was a cool guy. And I think he had a really cool girlfriend. Like his girlfriend would come in sometimes and like bring in vegan treats. And she was really cool. And then there was Jared, who was our, I don't know how to describe him, our, our army guy. So I think he got into bikes fixing bicycles in Iraq. I, I honestly, that's my understanding of how he got into bikes that he started kind of a guerrilla mechanic. And then he got a job at the bike shop and he was one of my favorite people. He's really kind of, he was funny, no bullshit. He was just a, a great guy. I think there's something about people who've been in the military um, for me are easy to be around. I think cause I, come from a military family. My dad was in the military. My brother was in the military. So was my grandpa. And then there was another very interesting character. There was Matt. And Matt was very tall, very thin, had long, long hair, like down to his butt. And he was like the quietest, gentlest mechanic who would do these outrageously bizarre physical exertion, like competitions where he would like ski and bike and hike and run just he was like incredibly athletic but he was so quiet about his accomplishments and he would do them in these extreme conditions and um i remember at one point uh i expressed to matt i felt like matt was the only guy who kind of i don't know i, I don't know how else to describe this, but like believed in my potential like I wanted to learn everything about bikes. Like I want to be, because I wanted to learn how to become a mechanic. I wanted to learn how to build. I want to do more than just sales. I think so. I was really good at sales. Like there was a $10,000 bike. I think it was $10,000. So maybe it was a, no, maybe it was a $4,000 bike. Yeah. There was a $4,000 bike in the shop and I sold it. And I remember I was calculating. I was like, okay, I worked for half an hour and sold a $4,000 bike. So I made four dollars because making like eight bucks an hour. I'm like, and my boss just made like four thousand dollars. And I was like, oh yeah. Um, he was kind of the only one who sort of believed in me. And I remember when I told him I really want to learn how to build wheels, because that seemed like a really cool stepping stone into um 
bike mechanics, he offered to teach me. And then in kind of an abrupt way, my boss put a, a halt to that. And I remember it kind of hurt my feelings, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so like I said, I had this awareness that my female presence was just adding a new dynamic to this little world of interesting boy characters who live in, who work together every day. And, but I remember like, I so appreciated when women would come in. And so when Nick's girlfriend would come in, she would come in and everyone kind of light, light up. And I remember um, once she brought ooey gooey vegan pumpkin bars to Nick and he was so excited and she shared them with everybody and everyone was so happy. I was like, oh, I was like, maybe I should bring something into the bike shop. Like, you know, I'm female and I don't know, maybe that's something I should be doing. I mean, Nick's girlfriend does it. Why shouldn't I? So I'm brainstorming with my sister. I'm like, what should I bring as food into the bike shop? We're brainstorming and brainstorming. Finally, we come up with the most brilliant idea. A bag of overripe bananas that are on clearance from the local health food store. Perfect. Because bike, as everyone knows, bikers love bananas. There's like a special pocket in the back of your jersey for a banana. It's the perfect nutrition for after a bike ride. It's perfect. It's brilliant. So I bike in a little early to town. I stop at the, the health food store, the co-op. I buy a bag of overripe bananas. I also buy myself a burrito for lunch. So I go. I'm so excited. I plop the bananas down in the mechanic's um, room in the shop. And I'm like, I brought these for everybody and I was so proud. And then lunchtime came and I go in the fridge to go get my burrito and I can't find it. Like looking all over the place and I just can't find my burrito. So finally I walk into the mechanic's office, well office, the the shop, and I peek in my banana bag wondering if maybe I left it there. And this is what the mechanics see. They see me peeking in the banana bag. And so when the mechanics, and again, I'm very new. This is like my first week. Says, what you doing? Checking on your bananas? And I just look right back at him and I say, no, I'm looking for my burrito. (laughs) And I'll just never forget like the the pure hilariousness of that situation. Um, It was just so funny. Um. And I remember um, it was just like the things that we would talk about and the things that would happen would just be so unbelievable. Like, you know, as I mentioned, I biked so much, you know, biking there. It was four hours of biking a day. I started spending the night at a friend's, a friend of a friend's house um, on Thursday nights and I'd get a break and we'd hang out and we'd watch sex in the city. And um, I remember (sighs) the sales manager, Wade, um, saying that he used to go to this Chinese place and for dessert, he'd order the great wall of chocolate. And I said, what's the great wall of chocolate? And he goes, it's a five layer chocolate cake. And I said, Oh, is it shaped like the great wall of China? He goes, no, it's just a five layer chocolate cake. And then I said, well, if it's really going to be called the great wall of chocolate, it needs to be shaped like the great wall of China. So I got this idea in my brain that I was going to make an authentic homemade great wall of chocolate and bring it into the bike shop and show everybody a five layer chocolate cake made shaped like the great wall of China. So I go over to my friend's house in town and all I remember was it took me seven episodes of sex in the city 
to make this cake. Like I just, she, she did lots of fancy cake making. So she had all the pans and everything. And I made this ginormous cake. And I remember like I took a bunch of round cake pans and stacked them up and made the cake. And then like I took out the center and then I cut it in half so I could make like an S curve to make the wall curvy. And then at the end I had these two towers and it was just this epic cake. And I watched so much Sex in the City while I was making this cake. It was just this wonderful time. And so I borrow a, a bike trailer from work. I, I haul it to work. I carry it in. I bring it to the mechanic shop. And I announce to everybody that I brought the Great Wall of Chocolate. I remember um, my boss or the sales manager, Wayne, Wade, came down and he took a plate and he just plopped an entire tower on his plate and just started eating it. And I remember for whatever reason, I just started freaking out about this. I was like, I can't believe you took an entire tower. But anyways, as, as the day ended, cause we ate the cake at lunch when the day was over, we were reflecting on the cake. And I said, yeah, I watched seven episodes of sucks in the city while I made this cake. And the whole room erupted and one guy said, oh, Sarah, Jessica Parker, such a dog. And they're all just like, they were all just talking about how ugly she was. And I just snapped and I said, well, you wouldn't know a beautiful woman if you saw one staring right in front of you. And then there was just dead silence and it was so awkward. And I was like, oh my gosh. And there was just the most awkward silence. And so finally about, I don't know how much time passed. I said, I owned it and said, okay. I maybe got a little bit defensive over Sarah Jessica Parker. And then before I even could finish that sentence, the whole room goes, yeah, you did. And I was like, and then what was so funny was Nixkey, the high schooler who didn't really grow up with Sarah Jessica Parker said, but is she a bad actress? And I just love that. Like, you know, maybe she's not the most gorgeous woman, but can't she, you know, stand on her acting? And I remember being like, I like that perspective. So now I'm going to take a moment to talk about, Tim. So I had had this unhealthy relationship with a guy I kind of knew from my bike ride across the country. And then we weren't really together. He lived in Chicago and, but I was kind of into him and he wasn't, it was just like a not super healthy relationship for me, but he would come and stay with me like all the time. Like he, and he had this, this red Ducati motorcycle And he would, like, drive from Chicago to central Iowa and, like, stay with me. And we would, like, do stuff because I usually didn't work weekends. And, like, I was just, like, in torment, mental and emotional torment over, like, this unhealthy relationship of being, like, I love him more than he loves me. It's not reciprocated, but I'm stuck in it. And it was just, like, a really – it's just a really hard time for me in that relationship. Anyways, I remember once – I slept in for, and I didn't have enough time to bike to work. And I was like, oh crap, like I really slept in. And so Tim was like, well, I'll just drive you on my motorcycle and then I'll pick you up because it's only 25 miles away. So I remember like I was late and he like sped on his, you know, Italian racing bike. And all I, I mean, this is the perspective they had to take the shop at. Um, They don't know where I am. I'm late. And then they see me from the window getting off of a red Ducati motorcycle and coming into the shop, like, sorry, I'm late. (laughs) 
But I was pretty private about my pri- about my personal life because my personal life was such a nightmare and such a mess. But I remember I didn't realize how funny that was. But one of my jobs uh, on the sales floor was to test the bikes after they were assembled, make sure all the gears worked, you know, make sure smooth riding. I remember Jared, the military guy, came up with a bike and said, hey, Janelle, can you can you test ride this bike? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. He goes, I mean, it's no Ducati, but and I was like, oh, my gosh. Ah. And so then um, I remember as the day was ending, I was waiting for Tim to pick me up. The guys are talking and they said, it's your Ducati hottie coming to pick you up. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't bear this for another second. And then finally, one of them said, so is he your boyfriend? And I remember like just being in my little heart so devastated that he wasn't my boyfriend, that you know he didn't love me enough to want to be my boyfriend. I just screamed like, that is nobody's business but my own. Like I'm just freaking out on them, just like screaming. And then like Tim picks, Tim shows up at the front door and I just like leave and hop on his motorcycle and ride off. It was Tim and my, my Ducati hottie. So there's definitely more stories that we can add to this little series, but I think I'm finally ready to tell you about the title of the original podcast um, and the title of this little story called Losing My Feminine Mystique. So I biked two hours every morning on a really, I don't want to say my bike was shitty. It was old and crap. It was, it was a really old bike. And I did the most biking of anyone in the shop. And sometimes my bike needed repairs and the guys were really awesome and they would give me first priority. Like if I came in to work and my tire was out of true, I mean, they would just true it up for me, no charge. And they'd, so I could get home safely that day. So I remember once I came in, there's something wrong with my bike. And so I asked the mechanics if they could take a look at it. And they said, yes. And later I like, I went down to check on what was going on and they were all laughing and I didn't know what was, what was going on. And Apparently they had opened my front pack. So like I had a fully loaded bike, like I had bags and racks all over my bike. But the thing I used the most was my front pack because the front pack had something that would let you slide it on and off. And I would like carry it like a purse. Like I put my essentials in there. Well, they had looked in my front pack and what they found in there was a dented can of tuna and a stick of old spice deodorant. And they were just having a field day with the fact that I had men's deodorant in my front pack and also a dented can of tuna. And I remember just feeling so embarrassed, but also so violated and so angry. And I remember screaming at them, a woman's front pack is like a woman's purse. You don't just go into it. And then they're like, why do you use Old Spice? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, because Old Spice works better than girls deodorant. I was just so devastated. And I think I was meeting my sister for lunch that day. And I was pouring out my little heart to her. And they found a can, a dented can of tuna and a stick of Old Spice. And I remember I had this moment where I'm like, Sandra, do you think I've officially lost my feminine mystique? And she's like, I think you have. And then she said, and by the way, why did you have a dented can of tuna in your front pack? You know about cliff bars. And I feel like that was completely irrelevant. Like they went through my front pack. They discovered what I eat and the deodorant I use. And I felt like really it was all downhill from there. And so that is the story of losing my feminine mystique. 
And I have some great callers who are going to call in and share their stories. Um, I hope that you'll get to hear from my friend Celeste because she has a really funny story of losing her feminine mystique in a bank parking lot after working at the chainsaw factory. But if you have any stories about losing your feminine mystique, um, feel free to shoot me an email and we can get a recording going. Thank you. Bye.